Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about everything you need to know about training intensity. One of my favorite topics, Danny, is how hard are you training? Because mm. I feel like this is my own personal opinion from social media as well. Mm-hmm. But all these people that just record workouts to upload a workout to save for people, it distorts our perception of what how hard you should be training and what a tough training session should look like. Because if you are pushing training intensity, your last few reps, like they're a bit of a grind and they look a yep. bit rubbish. Um, and I think a lot of what you see on social media is like, you know, poised faces and like beautiful reps and perfect technique and it's all painted this certain way yeah I suppose it really depends on you know the people that we are following if we are talking about social media if it's more an exercise demonstration or a true representation of their of their training um yes and you know we're really going to get into some of the details in what makes an intense training session um but yeah that's a really good point to put up there's there's Mm. a bit of a a mixture of people i think are getting a bit confused like is this person posting to teach me something um or are they actually training and grinding and this is how they train really good point i'm really glad that you brought that up because yeah as you said exercise demos and here's me showing you how to do something is completely different and usually when we do that we're using a lighter load anyways because we're really trying to slow down the movement and show you how to control something perhaps we're not using our working weight or going into working sets um and you can definitely tell the difference when someone is doing a working set versus a warm-up Uh, But yeah, like you said, everything we're going to talk about today is all training intensity. And I think we should just start off with a definition. Absolutely. So training intensity refers to the level of effort a person exerts during exercise relative to his or her maximum effort. Mm. So it is a subjective uh, measurement per se. And I think that's really important because what that definition highlights there, relative to his or her maximum effort. It's going to be different from person to person of what intensity actually looks like. I think Mm. it's really important to understand that. Yeah, and it also really depends on what activity you're doing. Are you sprinting? Are you Mm. strength training? Are you training for hypertrophy? Are you playing netball? You know, there are all different ways that you can measure intensity, but it's not always about leaving nothing in the tank. Okay. And we'll talk about that as well, knowing when to push and when to pull, but just be clear that there are different ways to measure intensity, depending on the activity that you are performing. Mm, Yeah. And I guess when it comes to like building muscle as well, if we were to actually direct our focus towards that specific stimulus and training purpose, how we measure intensity in that sense might be different to if we were trying to, you know, get really strong on a barbell back squat or hit a certain number in an Olympic lift or sprint, like what you said, Danny. Mm-hmm. We can generate intensity in every style of training or movement that you can do. And I think, you know, often we catch ourselves being like, geez, that was intense. Mm. And it's funny, like, what does that actually mean when you say intense? Like, was it cardiovascular wise? Am I sweating or lactic acid? Is that burning or was that Mm. heavy? You know, intense can mean a lot of different things. 
Yeah, yeah. And one thing naturally I want to say, intensity should not be measured with any element of pain, okay? So yeah, it's it's you don't want to end up feeling sore after a workout in a way that's like injury or or actually painful. So you mentioned Mm. words like burning and really using your muscles and fatigue. Like Mm. they are all signs that we've been working pretty damn hard. But yeah, we shouldn't Mm. feel sore after anything. Um, Mm. And the reason, another reason why I sort of, we wanted to talk about this is particularly with a lot of online coaching. Now people are being prescribed training sessions. um, And then the onus is on you on how, quote unquote, harder intense the training should be because, you know, some of my quad days or for the past couple of weeks have been three exercises and Mm. I've been absolutely cooked, but that's because I've, I know how to apply that intensity, kind of like Mm. you training four days a week. Now for someone who doesn't have the intensity, they would fly through three exercises and say, okay, what's next? Or they would do their four days a week and say, okay, I need more. So we mm. really wanted to highlight that as well because it's been coming up a little bit. Oh, <laughs> I feel like, firstly, I wanted to say uh, gone are the days of that whole no pain, no gain or no pain, no gain sort of mentality. It's like we shouldn't be dying at every session. Like, don't get me wrong. We do have intense training sessions when we turn the volume up. But just like we turn the volume up, we must turn the volume down from certain periods of times. Otherwise, we will blow the speaker up. Um, but what you were sort of saying there was as well, and you sort of prompted me to think about the post that I made the other day and I had the like the hierarchy of importance there. Mm. And I think that just goes out the window for a lot of people because we have intensity on one side of the pendulum and we also have volume on the other side of the pendulum. And volume's referring to... Um, the like the amount of sets and reps that you're accumulating throughout a training day, a training week, a mesocycle, whatever it might be. It's referring to all the volume that you're doing, whereas intensity is like the level of effort that you're putting in. So from a scale yeah. of one to 10, how hard was that session? 10, like I'm, I'm dead and zero, I'm asleep. You know, how hard was that session? So mm-hmm. when you constantly just turn the volume up and up and up and people just start doing more and adding more sets and doing more training days, et cetera, um, but they're also pushing and grinding really hard in the gym as well constantly intensity's up too how can you do that like you're going to eventually overtrain under recover or get injured or Mm -hmm. go backwards Mm -hmm. and I think people get stuck in this circle where they get frustrated and they think like they need to be doing more and I've been there I've been there by the way like I've had Mm. um I still reflect on and everyone evolves as a coach. Don't get me wrong. Everyone evolves as a coach, but I, I still remember like programs where I've had like five, six sets of like per exercise for like seven exercises and accumulating huge amounts of volume. It's no surprise that your training intensity sucks when yeah. you're doing so much. Yeah. You're always going into your program pre-fatigued. So you just have to, it's like a balance of yin and yang and you just have to prioritize For me, I always, and for my clients, I prioritize actually training intensity over like how much you're doing. It's super important that you're doing effective volume. Like I don't don't care how many sets and reps there are, like how many were hard, how many were close to failure, Um, depending on the goal and everything else that we consider as well. Mm -hmm. We just have to be considering that. Sorry, I've rambled. I really don't want to. No, that's great. And that's why we're here. And that's why we have a podcast because we can talk as long as (laughs) we bloody like. Can't put that on a swipe and save as much as I want to. (laughs) No, I think it's really great. And um, 
to sort of talk about the goals, for example, like for pure hypertrophy training, yeah, you do want to push close to failure um, for most exercises when safe. And we have spoken about that in other podcasts as well. But when safe to truly build muscle, you want to push, yeah, close to failure. So there's not much left in the tank at all. However, in a perfect world, it would be great to have really intense sessions all the time. But then you might have an awesome training session on Monday, you're going to feel pretty cooked come Tuesday. So then the following session will be impeded based on that really Mm. high intensity on Monday. So it is a balancing act of not only how many days do you train versus recover, but then also picking, okay, I really want to grow my quads, for example. I'm going to start the week with a really intense session because by the end of the week, naturally, your training intensity will probably drop off as well. Mm. So it's a balancing act when it Mm. comes to hypertrophy. Injury Mm. rehab, I wouldn't push to failure on things. It's about practicing new skills over and over and over and over again. So you have very low intensity, higher volume, like what you were saying about balancing the volume and intensity. Mm. Um, Strength training. Again, strength is a skill. We don't want to, let's just talk about, you know, barbell strength, for example. But as we've said before, you can have strength in any exercise, but the barbell lifts, you will not be pushing to failure on your squat, Mm. bench and deadlift. It's not safe. um, And you don't allow yourself to practice the skill because strength is a skill. It requires repetition as well. So again, your goal comes into play too. Mm. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because everyone wants to build muscle and everyone usually wants to go into hypertrophy, but the, like if you're it's injured, well, yeah. you, you can't, like you need to fix that first before you qualify to push proximity to failure on most movements. Like, so it's really important to understand like what your, what your purpose is um, mm. and what you're actually training for. Um, and I also think as well, Danny, like, For some people, I feel like maybe you might decline throughout the week, but it also depends on how you've organized your training. Because really one week is just man-made, like it's just sunrise and sunset for a lot of people. So it depends on when you're having your rest days and how you're arranging your week. And like what we spoke about in a previous episode about like auto-regulating your training Mm -hmm. um, and putting your sessions around like the days that you feel best on. And for some people, like Monday might be a great leg day, you know, because the start of the week, you might have had the weekend off, you might be feeling fresh. Um, For other people, maybe it's not, maybe they've worked all weekend and Monday's like, you know, the first day that they've slowed down a little bit and they feel Mm. a bit rusty. So Mm. it's got to depend in that sense too. Yeah, that's a good way. And I get really tripped out when I start going down the tangent of time isn't a real thing and, you know, the weeks. Like daylight savings is coming up at the end oh, of this weekend. I think yes. it is. I'm like, I love that we as humans can just dictate when the sun comes up and down. Seriously, like, just to change the time. Just turn. Yeah, it I love daylight saving. It gets Same. it gets dark really late. It's the best. Makes me so excited because you know the warm weather's coming. Like, yeah, that's sorry to everyone overseas. Oh yeah, yeah. we in Australia just states. need something to look forward to, and it's the weather. <laughs> when all else fails, just be happy that it's getting bloody warmer. Yeah, you you know we've been doing it tough. When all anyone um, on social media talks about is like when the sun comes out. It's I like know. wow, it's been a long winter. <laughs> That's so true. I'm talking about the fucking plants in my backyard. Like, oh my God. Oh, 
But what I wanted to elaborate on as well is, and I, I posted about this the other day, but just something I see so commonly is I will get women that will come to me that are training like ridiculous amounts of volume, like ridiculous amounts of volume. I'm talking like 40 to 50 sets, like what? a workout, which is crazy. Yeah, 100%. It would be like yeah. five sets of 20 on something. Um, and you'll just get ridiculous amounts of training volume. And I have a different like mentality when it comes to training. Like I really do prioritize a minimum effective dose. And I think a lot of people like back in the day, even myself, I used to be more geared towards how much can I get away with? Like, can Mm -hmm. I double it up? Can I do another session? How many days can I get away with and still recover? Whereas now I'm like, how little can I get away with and still yep. recover and, and progress? Because mm. that's so much more sustainable and enjoyable. You mm. actually go to the gym and you're happy to be there. You're not burning out. You know, you're not starving all the time. You're not, you know, you just, there's so many more positive effects from, you know, going minimum effective dose, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I just think as well, like, when you've been training for a while, this is the key difference, I think, too. When you've been trained, when you first start training, you can get away with a lot more volume because your intensity on the opposite end of the pendulum isn't there. Yeah. So you can do a lot of volume and because you're not training that hard. Sorry, no. but your intensity isn't there. So it, that's just the reality. Mm. Over time, as your training IQ increases, your training intensity increases, and, and you can start generating more um, power in your lifts and that intensity buffer starts coming up your volume naturally should go down too. like you should be able to get away with a little bit bit less volume and this is my own personal take so i know there's people that think the opposite where mm-hmm. oh no we should be increasing volume as you get more trained depends um, on the goal absolutely mm-hmm. but my argument is that if your training intensity is increasing then you should be able to get away with less volume because you're going to need more time to recover like more rest periods like potentially less frequency and i think where we go wrong is and I don't want to be sexist, but particularly females, because this is the type of training that we're being taught to do is this high repetition, like lots of volume styled stuff is as your intensity comes up, your volume should come down just like a pendulum. And you should still be able to make progression like that if you're pushing your intensity, because both can't just consecutively go up. No, no, because, yeah, you end up reaching that wall. So Mm. for hypertrophy, yes, we want higher reps. It's going to be around 10 to 20 reps even. Um, But it's really important what you mentioned as well. As a beginner or someone new to training, they need to have higher reps, not Mm. only because the intensity isn't there. For many reasons, they might still be learning the skill, learning how to move. You know, we're not going to learn how to ride a bike and straight away go into doing the backflips. We need to spend (laughs) the hours just straight away, um, just learning how to ride straight and and get the technique happening because the body hasn't been through these movements Mm. before. So it needs high reps. Um, Again, if you're training, yeah, for hypertrophy, it's high reps, 10 to 20, um, injury and injury prevention. But in saying that, sometimes if I have someone, you know, with a sore lower back, I'm not going to get them to do high reps just for the sake of it. So it really depends on how they feel. If they can get four perfect reps out on a deadlift and on the fifth one, you know, their technique starts to waver, I leave it there as well. So it really Mm. is a case by case. But Mm. when you are truly pushing, you mm. need to know what you're doing. 
because the chance of technique breakdown is very, very, very high, which obviously we don't want. So there's no point being a newbie to the movement and then pushing it and then just everything goes down the drain. Like mm. on some of the intense sessions, like you mentioned last week, you you were sick during your session and, you know, I, I sometimes end up with headaches and like you can't see properly and that's not good to do all the time either. It's like we don't advocate for that. No, we don't <laughs> want it, but sometimes that's what it takes like or that's what happens and you have to be prepared to push Mm. into that whole new world of holy fuck this is painful yeah I also do want to um say as well like even though we have like I don't know like quote-unquote hypertrophy rep ranges you can still build muscle in most rep ranges I argue probably not a a max PR I don't know but yeah but have you seen the size of muscle on really strong lifters they're all fucking huge I don't know why I'm swearing so much in this podcast (laughs) 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 you look at some of the heaviest lifters in the world they're the biggest people I've ever seen like they're strong so yeah you do grow muscle (laughs) well even compare like a sprinter to an endurance um, runner mm. you know like I think there's a lot to be said about like the different muscle fibers and like type one and type two and how they respond to different stimulus and this is why it's important to have variety in your training so that you're you know fatiguing all the muscle fibers but yeah. I feel like that's a that's a whole nother conversation mm-hmm. in itself um, mm-hmm. but yeah you can build muscle at, at any rep range so long as the intensity and the proximity to failure is there right and that's yeah. the that's the sweet spot is understanding, well, how do I push to failure? How do I push that hard? And what should that feel like? Mm. And you also mentioned something um, there, Danny, about um, technique and training to failure and what that should actually look like. Mm. So we have like really two types of failure. We have muscular failure uh, that you're going to encounter on like a leg press or a hack squat or like a stable piece of equipment. And then you have technique failure, which is when you're doing a conventional deadlift or a barbell back squat or a Bulgarian lunge or something like that that's a bit unstable uh, and your technique is going to deteriorate before the actual muscles fully fatigue. And we've spoken in a previous episode about, um, I think it was methods of training intensity and working Mm, around mm. some of these sorts of things and body building hypertrophy but mm. really explained a lot of this sort of stuff but if you're doing strength-based work this is why you're not training to failure because you need your technique to be preserved yeah whereas if you're on a leg press like you can really grind out those last few reps maybe your concentrics a bit too long like you can really grind out those last few reps and risk not your form but you you know you've got external stabilizers there i.e a machine to allow you to push further than what you would be able to if you weren't assisted by anything so nailed it yeah it's just really important to understand intensity in terms of context when it comes to your actual programming and exercise selection very good and we don't i know there's a lot of things going on the internet now like do you need perfect technique? Yes or no? And naturally I think yes, because I've seen every day I see people who unfortunately have not had perfect technique and it's not nice over time, whether you're, you know, building up and up and up and it happens when you're 50. If you are training with suboptimal technique, 
you will get injured um, or your performance, you know, you won't reach optimal performance and training. It's just a fact. The body moves in certain ways. And then if we're, you know, moving it under load with a, a rounded spine, for example, um, just a classic example there, you know, over time we have delamination of the spine, we have breakdown of our tissues and then that's what happens. So I'm an advocate for perfect technique. Now there's things that you can get away with. As you said, like if we're comparing a barbell back squat to a leg press, you can push hard on the leg press. As you said, because of those external factors, there's less chance of a technical breakdown. But again, Hmm. we do not want to see you just losing all core stability in the leg press. And then in the final reps, your back is rounding under like 200 kilos of plates. It's the same sort of thing. Um, Mm. But you can get away with more on the machines for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, I think... I think good technique is really important. Like, obviously, if you've got pain somewhere, how are you going to be able to push hard to really, like, take a muscle to failure? Or you're going to be thinking about your sore lower back when you're trying mm. to extend at your hips, right? It's virtually impossible. But I think, like, perfect technique, the, the issue I have with that word is that it, it does textbook things. So I think that technique and what's good for everyone is different, right? We all have different Everyone has different technique, absolutely. Yeah. We all have different structures and we all have different like biomechanics and limb lengths, et cetera. Uh, And you've just got to find your perfect technique in your setup. And this is why like customization and trial and error is super Mm. important for everyone to be around. Like there might be exercises that you just don't agree with you. It doesn't mean that you don't squat and deadlift in a certain way. Like maybe you do an RDL, like maybe you do like a a goblet split squat, like whatever it is, it's just customization and variety. But yeah, I think when you really do look at your training goal, that's when it separates it. Like if you're rehabbing from something, well, you shouldn't be like grinding away on a reverse band hack squat until there's zero left in the tank because eventually something's going to break down right? Like eventually something's going to break down. It's going to be your weakest link too. So when you understand where am I training for hypertrophy or strength or am I rehabbing an injury? I think we really need like a clear definition of a a goal to what intensity should be measured by. Yeah. And I really like that you brought up, you know, that everyone has different biomechanics and limb lengths and, you know, someone might need to stand a little bit wider in their lift or a bit closer Mm. and that's it. But um, yeah, it... I still think that everyone needs to train with perfect technique, but for them, like just because someone squats like that on Instagram doesn't mean you have to. Okay. But you still need to have the same cues, you know, neutral spine Mm. bracing, blah, blah, blah. So Mm. yeah, that's good. Um, But I think that, it if we let our technique falter and I'm spending a lot of time on this just because it's something that obviously I don't know I'm trying to put myself out of business as an osteopath I don't want to keep seeing people getting hurt like just don't sacrifice the reps I don't care what mm. what you see and what people say like don't sacrifice your technique no, no matter be if smart about you not yeah be smart about your training intensity and your mm-hmm. exercise selection that's all you got to do like don't don't push to the brinks of failure on a barbell back squat push to the brinks of failure on a reverse banded hack squat. Like know your stimulus. Only if the technique's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only teacher. if your technique's good. <laughs> Only if your technique's good. But I also think as well, like your techniques should never deteriorate like 
bad towards the end of a set, but your eccentrics are going to slow down. Like your, your reps are going to start to, maybe your, your techniques are not going to go bad, but it's going to start to deteriorate. You're going to get signs of technical breakdown or muscular failure when you're reaching failure, of course. Yeah. So yeah. this is why it's important rather than maybe like the intensity is still there, right? Maybe intensity is still there, but you're, you're changing your level of proximity to failure depending mm-hmm. on the machine that you're in. Or yeah. for weight, I should say, that you're in. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Now, there are so many ways that we can increase the intensity. For So for those training at home or who are stuck for a little mm-hmm. bit of ideas, they've got their set amount of exercises that they can do. Now, it's important to not hit your rep range and then feel like there's more left in the tank, okay? So, mm-hmm. again, for those people saying, hmm, I've been given a program, but it's not really that hard. Well, actually, it's not the exercises, most like more often than not. It's actually how you're applying yourself to the exercises. So you, for example, using tempo work, which we love prescribing, try doing something in slow motion. The longer you keep that contraction of your muscle or stretching out the muscle, you know, the more fibers we break down and then therefore we rebuild stronger. So it's really important to um, implement tempo work as well to make something harder. Yeah. And, you know, I've had this conversation a lot of times being like, oh, well, you know, this isn't hard enough. And it's like, well, (laughs) add more weight. Like make it harder. That's another one. Like like when people say that to me, I'm sort of like, (laughs) you're you're telling me something that you know the answer to. Like you know why it's not hard enough. She's not making it hard enough. Like it's got Mm. nothing to do with the movement pattern per se. It's just how you're executing it. Um, Geez, like I I can make a heel elevated goblet squat feel like the end of the world. Yeah, You know, and I I would like a lot of people would say, well, that's a very remedial movement. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you Mm. kidding me? Like Mm. it depends, right? I feel like when training intensity is is almost a skill. Like I argue that because it's sort of like, if you've never been pushed hard, it's really hard to go there. Like it's, oh, it's yeah. uncomfortable. You have to go to a dark it's place. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, you've got to go to a dark, <laughs> a dark place with someone else there in yeah. that whole You need view. someone there. Yeah. Oh, you need, I need moral support. Like Absolutely. When I'm really pushing intensity. So, yeah. and, you know, I think you sh- we should be practicing true training intensity frequently yeah. so that we know what it feels like to go there. I'm mm. not saying that always has to be used, but, you know, I would say maybe two or three exercises a week or maybe a really few hard sets I would take to a level of true discomfort for me. Whereas if yeah. you're coasting through a whole week of training and it, oh, it was an okay week, like, Don't get me wrong, you don't always have to be pushing super hard, but you should be picking a few sets or a few exercises where it's like, yeah, I'm really going to step it up here, not just with weight, but with the actual intensity that I'm using. Yeah, yeah. And if you're unsure which ones you sort of want to pick just to really go to that place, just start with ones that you're confident in performing. What's some of your favourites? Like I have a few favourites where I'm like, I'm sending it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well... When strength train, like I have a thing where I would rather do 20 reps banded on the leg press, like putting the bands um, on the machine, which is what we've been doing, 
we're still training at the gym, which I say, I feel like I almost need to apologize for it, but not really. I mean, my partner owns a gym, so we're still training at the gym. Don't it is apologize. what it is. It is we're, what it is. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy everyone's, when other people do shit. Everyone's doing their thing. So anyway, um, I would rather, yeah, so we've been really pushing on the leg press. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd rather do higher reps on that than like my two rep max on a barbell squat. Yeah. Just for that reason, yeah. like I love them both, but I, it, I just still have that thing like you really need to prepare yourself for that squat because yeah. like to get yeah. used to being in the hole but mm. then it's a whole nother level of intensity and fear when you know you got to yeah. do 20 reps you got someone screaming in your ear um but mm. yeah so my favorites in my long-winded way of saying would at the moment leg press and hack squat um yeah just oh. to really like go to failure obviously because mm. we can't go to failure on compounds yeah yes um, and even yep. the leg extension like eight mm. reps really slow I'm talking like four or five seconds on the way up hold and then come back down I've been cooking them <laughs> roasting them roasting. yeah I mean I'm the same like people like look don't get me wrong like lifting two three reps is hard work but I just think it takes a whole nother level of like willpower to pump out high rep work with intensity like you're, you're there for a long time, you know, like you really got to grind through. Mm. Yeah. And I know I spoke about like the conditioning block um, last week, but man, 20 reps is humbling. Like it's really humbling, especially mm. when you've got reduced rest periods and you're already going into another set pre-fatigued and it's burning and there's lactic acid billing up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm the same, like with you, like reverse banded um, squat movement patterns, like a reverse banded hack squat, where it really takes off um, a little bit of the eccentric load. So you can tax all those muscle fibers yeah. um, as well as a glute drive and my oh, glute up- drive, of course. How can we yeah. forget? Um, <laughs> And a pendulum squat as yeah. well is disgusting because it does have that counterweight. So this, oh, and I do love a Smith machine lunge as well. And actually, seated yeah. leg curl is one we of love the it other all. I love those. Two. I love but it notice, all. Notice we've been listing machines though because it is safe to do it on that. That's why. Yes. So it's the context. Like when it comes to hypertrophy training, yes, you're going to grow muscle doing your barbell work, but you don't push to failure, which is the topic mm. of that. So if we we're talking about favorite strength exercises, <clears throat> obviously we'd be listing the complete opposite. So mm. just context for everyone. I don't want people to think that, oh, I can only train hard using machines. Well, no, that's yeah. not the case, yeah. but mm. we were putting it in the context of just going to that place where mm. your last few reps, you can fail safely just to clear yeah. that up. Yeah. And as well, like something I um, did in my previous training block, I I did good mornings for like first time in a long time. I hadn't really done them as like a barbell movement for a long time. I've been pushing an RDL for like Mm. ages um and I just wanted to because obviously the the difference between good morning and RDL is the bar placement and the moment arm so you've got the barbell and the load further out in front and therefore it's generating more torque or intent or more torque or tension sorry across the glutes and the hamstrings itself however where the barbell was and just the exercise itself like you obviously can't push as hard you know, because you, no. you're more you're more unstable than even an RDL, which is still a barbell movement. But just those little tiny changes and nuances, even in like there's still hip hinging patterns. You know, it's just when you develop your training IQ, like all the things were just listed off with machines, it's quite easy for us to know this now, but it takes years to establish that. And if mm. you're unsure, like, oh, well, why can't I just push as hard on lying leg curl or seated leg curl or an RDL? It's all hamstrings. Like it's, of course, it sounds like a very reasonable argument, but if you're unsure, just ask your coach, 
ask us, send us a message on Level Up, you know, ask mm-hmm. us. I think it's really important to be able to, you know, just ask the questions that you're unsure about as well because you're not expected to know, oh, well, I should know everything about training intensity. I feel like I've really only just come into a lot of this knowledge in the last couple of years. Yeah, because we've mastered the skill of training. There's no way that I would have felt so confident to push really hard um, when I first started because I was still learning. My body was still learning how to be balanced. You don't need to because your body responds anyway. Um, Mm. Yeah, we've learned the skill. We're more stable and, and all of that. And we've spent the hours trialing all the different exercises and moving through programs for years because it's also a thing like just because we can lift like 200 kilos on the glute drive doesn't mean we can squat 200 kilos or no fuck yeah strength being a skill your strength is positional so the the example that you used as well you know lying hamstring curl versus seated yes they're both hamstring but different positions and we get stronger based on the position that we spend a lot of time in as well so there's that element of it too yeah, I think um, a lot of people have a heart attack when they see how much weight we can move on a glute drive. But what yeah. they don't, I guess what they don't see is how long we've spent mastering that. Like mm. that is a movement skill. I would yeah. not be able to do the same on a barbell, I don't think. like I No, I haven't have to touched a barbell through. in a while, actually. No, but even though thrust. it's the same move. Yeah, even though mm. it's the same movement and, you know, maybe the instability isn't, oh, it is a little bit different. Maybe but different. we wouldn't, it's different still. Like mm. even just the tiniest bar placement change shifts everything. Yeah. And this is why your ideal technique is important because when I walk up to the bar and I'm doing an RDL, one foot goes here, one goes there, I grab here, I breathe there, and it's the same thing over and over again. Because yeah. if I change a sequence or I change an arm, like a placement or a grip, like it, it goes, it's a different exercise. Yeah, you're almost. right. Really really well said. And that reminds me of yesterday when I was squatting. So I just um, moved my feet a little bit wider, maybe an inch each side, just to really um, practice sitting lower into it, which is just something I'm Mm. working on now because I've reached sort of the numbers that I want to hit for now. So now I'm... I put my feet a little bit wider just to have a look at the depth and it actually moved a lot better, but I was weaker, even though I improved my technique for my body, just because it was a whole different skill set again. So it's almost, Mm. it's not going to take long, but I, I have to now relearn that squat with just a slightly wider stance and the weight actually felt heavier, even though it looked better. So that Mm. happens too. So don't be disheartened as well. Yeah. Well, like strength is gained in the range that we train it. So I'm going to say that again. Mm. Strength is gained in the range that we train it. So if you're doing quarter squats, you're going to get really strong at that top position. You know, and some people use that as strategy if they're trying to like get a stronger lockout or, or something like they might train a certain range of motion. And like, I'll do this a lot with programming. Like, you know, I'll say reduce range of motion to the top for the hip thrust. You know, if we're trying to isolate where the glutes are under the most amount of tension or if I'm trying to get someone really strong, like hamstring wise or, or improve um, strength at the bottom end, like pause for three seconds at the mid shin. The same with understanding like your active ranges of motion in certain muscle groups and exercises. Again, mm-hmm. you don't have to understand this. You just have to follow the program where we've written it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, understanding that, well, yeah, when I do change my foot placement or I go a little bit deeper, maybe you might feel weaker. And that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means or it's wrong for you. Um, it just means that that's a new range of motion that you don't yet have the strength in. Yeah, because you haven't spent that much time in it, as you yeah. said. And um, I also love 
uh, giving people pauses in the spots that they either try and run away from. So weakness can also yeah. be shown in speeding up that part of the yeah. movement. So like, for example, I'm just going to use a squat again, or even the bottom of a lunge coming down, 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 cool, mm-hmm. sticking to the tempo, all of a sudden bang really quick. And they've ran away from that position. Well, it's like, all right, we're going to add a pause in so you can get comfortable in that bottom position. And mm-hmm. to go back to our topic today, that's going to help you improve your intensity because it makes mm-hmm. movement harder. So yeah, pauses, tempo. Um, have we talked about one and a quarter reps? Not yet. That's another way of making it harder. Well, I guess it all comes under the umbrella of like increasing your time under tension um, and adding more load and tension where the the it is the greatest in that movement pattern Mm -hmm. and you know this also is another like layer to that like I I saw someone doing quarter reps at the bottom of a hip thrust you know and I'm like that doesn't make much sense so they're at the bottom and they're sort of doing it in that sort of like end range or like you'd be like doing a quarter rep at the top of a squat like you know it's about understand Mm. and I see it what was their rationale I'm always was there or they were just it doing wasn't it? They're just sometimes doing you just get people on instagram doing things that <laughs> no know, one's done mm. like that and that's great but then yeah. try and just pop like a reasoning under it if you can like yeah. i don't know like, come on. people are running Look, out of ideas is, do no, they you know what people would do they, they want to get better in the they do room. <laughs> they just they go like bottom end range quarter pulse hip thrust eccentric you know they just make up and you're like you just want to make up 69 degree angle like it's so (laughs) hard there's a dm we don't want to (laughs) overwhelm people as well like i love you just see it though you just see it and it's like oh my favorites when they like elevate the wrong like area or something and they're like elevate, elevated like, barbell bicep or they'll like <laughs> elevate their toes with a lunge or something and you're like what's going on here I'm yeah. so confused. look at my for some people but again put your put your rationale if someone's yeah. just broken their foot and then they need a heel elevated in a bicep girl great but just pop it in the you know <laughs> because people are going to get confused we're all going to rock up to the gym one day with like 500 bands wrapped around our head and like one elevated yeah let's just not go down that path I reckon keep things as simple as you can whether it be your dialogue when explaining something or learning something and then um, the exercises that you are performing it does not need to be complicated I mean you and I are gassed from our sessions you're training four days a week and sometimes I three. do three exercises. Oh, you're doing three. Again, mm. yeah, there you go. So it doesn't have to be overwhelming and complicated as well. Mm. Yeah. And I also like to look at training volume like what we would with calories, right? Like you've got a maintenance calories. If it's super low, you're going to diet from that maintenance calories and shit's going to get hard. So if mm. you're already training like six days a week and you're about to like, I don't know, enter a comp prep, like where are you going to turn the intensity up? It's got to come oh, from somewhere, right? So it's just about, oh, I know. And then you, you just, you're going to burn into your recovery candle. And it's mm. just super important to, what, <laughs> recovery candle? <laughs> I was trying to imagine what a recovery candle would Mate, look you like. know me, you know me. <laughs> You know me. I just there's I'm, analogies I'm for everything. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tear it. 
Oh, but um, <laughs> recoverability is something we're going to talk about next week, actually, yes. because intensity goes in hand in hand with recovery because yeah. it's going to depend like the level of volume and training and frequency and all those sorts of things have to be outweighed by how well you're recovering outside of the gym and outside of your training, because that's when we grow and that's when we progress and that's how we become better. So we can't mm. just keep burning the candle. We have to make sure that recovery is higher than our actual training so to speak and we go through that super compensation phase as well um but that's going to be next week how exciting so stay tuned for next week as well we were going to add that (laughs) onto this episode but it'll be way too long because it's a whole nother one in itself but um yeah yeah so that's it i think training intensity everything you need to know (laughs) so we hope you've taken some gold nuggets away from this episode i know it's something that you know, I wish I started focusing on earlier than what I did is like training intensity and really having that at the forefront of your priorities when it does come to lifting for building muscle. Um, But like we discussed, there's multiple different goals and multiple different strategies and approaches that you can take. Uh, But we'll go into more detail on recovery and recoverability next week. So if you did enjoy this episode, uh, please do take a screenshot and tag the Level Up podcast on Instagram. Thanks, everyone.